Hey, Edith. Hey, Christy. How do you calculate the length of rosemary? I don't know. Sprigonometry. What? Oh, sprigonometry. Well, that's not terrible. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners from Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And we've noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Tulips. Hey, Christy. Hi, Edith. Hello, everybody out there. Hi. You know, I'm excited to talk about indoor herb gardening this week. Yes, me too. I hope everybody had a good week. I had a couple of couple of funny or odd things happen to me this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I called one of my credit card companies, right? And before they would give me the information I needed, they said, we need to know your secret word. Have people been doing that to you? Do you have to give a secret word? Yes. Well, I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she said, yes, to get the card. You had to have a secret word. I go, well, I don't know. I don't remember. She goes, okay. The question was, what is your favorite hobby? And I said, oh, easy. Gardening. And she went, nope. Oh. <laughs> I go. You do not know who you are, Edith. I know. I go, okay, um, reading. She goes, nope. It starts with a G, she said. And I'm like, I don't golf. I Google a lot. And she's like, no, no. I said, grocery shopping. <laughs> I go, this is crazy. I don't know what I said then, but my favorite thing to do is to garden. And she goes, there it is. Oh, geez. Yeah. I said, you mean garden, but not gardening? She goes, yup. <laughs> wow. Isn't that funny? That's, uh, you know, that's a very, you know, I guess you got to appreciate how specific they are. I guess you do. But man, that's persnickety. That is very, pers that's a great word. That's exactly what it is, very persnickety. <laughs> and then, now I have a story that, this is kind of bittersweet, okay? So, a few days ago, an old friend of mine that I haven't seen her in a long, long time, she called me and I said, oh, hey, Mila, well, nice to hear from you. How are you? And she said, not great. I'm in hospice. Oh, uh, and then she told me a garden story because we used to kind of, we both had gardens. Well, last May, she'd been given only months to live. She decided she had just moved into a house with a backyard. So she decided, as it was most likely going to be her last summer, oh, man. to have a garden. So at harvest time, you know, she had way too much for one person to eat. She never ate a lot anyway. So what she started to do, she would put her veggies in a box put it on the sidewalk, and mark it free. I've seen people do that, especially when it comes to, to zucchini. Mm -hmm. Well, it never took long for the box to empty. And then Mila said something unexpected started to happen. She said she would see from her window somebody would take the zucchini, but then a loaf of zucchini bread would show up at her door. Oh, how wonderful. Somebody would take tomatoes, and she would get a dozen farm fresh eggs from someone's chickens or the same thing with rhubarb, the rhubarb cookies. So she never met any of these people, but you know, this 
two-way giving thing that happened. She just said it gave her something to look forward to every single day. And uh, I just thought that was a oh, really... Oh, Edith, I love that story. Cool gardens. Because it shows, like, I think gardening is my therapy. Mm-hmm. And it also shows that you don't need to have a really big yard to garden. Mm-hmm. And it, and um, the fact that she, oh, man, it's just, it's you're right, it is so bittersweet. It is so because bittersweet. Because it warms yeah. your heart, but, the, yeah. but it just makes you think, oh, I'm so sorry for your friend. Yeah. That's really, yeah. I'm really sorry. I'm glad she's finding some kind of peace and joy in the garden. Yeah. Yeah, me too. As I hope we do all, and I yes. hope as our listeners do all the time. Well, I have to say, it certainly has been one of the most beautiful falls we have had. Hasn't it been, Edith? It has, yeah. I cannot recall a fall that has lingered so long. Yeah. Um, I have, when we had the episode about trees a while ago, and I complained about my Rocky Mountain maple tree mm-hmm. that I planted, which was supposed to give me orange and red leaves, uh-huh. and I've had it for about 10 years, and always the leaves just turn brown and fall off. Yeah. Well, guess what this year? Red? Yellow, a little orange, and a bit of red on that tree. And I think it's because we've actually had a a lingering fall. And so it's just been absolutely beautiful. Last year we had snow in September. We haven't had, we haven't really had a hard frost yet. We have not, which is almost unheard of. Which means that if it hadn't been for the raccoons that I saw in my backyard with my own eyes, these gigantic raccoons. Ooh. My they get big. Oh, my gosh. And nasty. They look <laughs> you right in the eye like, oh, you don't scare me. Yeah, it's like there's a special school for it, isn't oh, there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Raccoon school. So, um, I mean, if it hadn't been for them, I would still have cantaloupe out there. I would still have spaghetti squash out there. But I took them all in. And, you know, if you are in the same boat, they do ripen indoors. I take them and put them in the sun whenever I can on the porch. And I've been able to do that because it's been so warm. Yes. Uh, It's 70 70 degrees today. We're recording on a Friday, and it's 70 degrees today in Denver. Yeah. It's going to be, the high is going to be 40 on Halloween. Yeah, it's going to plunge, as it always does. (laughs) Halloween is always the bellwether. Always, that's the day. Yes. It's bring in... If there's going to be an ice storm, it'll yeah. always happen on Halloween. What else is happening in your garden? Um, okay, so I had a, like a major fail with fennel. A fennel fail? A fennel fail. And I remember you told me a few episodes ago that you were done with fennel. You said you'd had it with fennel. Yeah, I like the fronds, but the, the actual joy of growing the bulb and doing stuff with it has just never worked for me. Me either. What bulb? I got, I, (laughs) it was gigantic. It filled up most of my herb garden and I dug Mm -hmm. it up yesterday and it had like maybe 20, 25 roots and no bulb. The bulbs were little tiny things at the top of the root, but it wasn't pretty like you see in the pictures. Folks, if you can give us some tips on growing fennel, please send them in to upside down tulips at Gmail. (laughs) It's a double fail over here. (laughs) Anything else in your garden? Um... No, I think that's it. I mean, I'm making leaf mold again, collecting seeds, making leaf mold, deadheading, all of the the chores that you do. How about yourself? Well, the big thing I started doing is just taking everything out of the vegetable garden. I just, I was looking at my tomatoes thinking like, oh, I might let them go for a little while. And I just, you know how you just, once you take out one tomato plant, you just get it in your bones and Mm -hmm. you just start doing it. So I took out all the tomato plants and took out all the green tomatoes, which I have, I don't know, like a good four buckets worth. And guess where I put them, Edith? 
in the attic. That's in right. The box. I, I boxed them up and I put them in my attic. I've taken a couple out already that have turned red. And um, thank goodness for the podcast because the podcast helps me remember that I have mm-hmm. tomatoes in the attic, unlike two years ago where I forgot about it for 10 months and they ended up just being little splotches of mold yeah, you know, left over there. You know, uh, I forgot to say this. I assumed that all of my tomatoes were already um, mushy from the cold, right? Okay. So I go out there and I find that inside one of my tomato plants, it had warmed itself enough that I got like 20 green tomatoes that are that I was able to put up. Oh, great. Oh, I was so glad. I'm going to roast all those tomatoes once they turn red and make soup out of them. Good. I think that's a good use for That's a really good tomatoes use. that yeah. turn green. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have not put in my um, geraniums yet, even though... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode about bringing everything in, mm-hmm. but it's been so nice out, Edith, yeah. and I like sitting yeah. out on the back por- by my back patio and having all the geraniums there, and also, I think, a partially just in denial, because you've already brought your geraniums in, right? They're on the porch. Okay. Which is, uh, oh, I don't know, 5, 10 degrees warmer than okay. they, they would be, and they're in containers. So gotcha. what I did not bring in that I have to absolutely before Sunday is my rosemary. Yes. It's <laughs> still out there. Yeah. Or... Yeah, if you're going to bring it in, you should bring it. This is the I gotta bring to bring it in. It in. Tomorrow, yeah. every last thing is coming in. Yeah. I learned a new trick that I'm also going to try this weekend, Edith, about bringing in sweet potato vine. Oh, really? Because I, I love sweet potato vine in my containers. I just think that chartreuse green is such a nice contrast against so many different types of flowers. And I love how green and bushy and traily it gets. And every year, I just got to throw it in the compost pile, and then I buy new plants in the spring, but I learned that what you can do is you can uh, carefully remove the tuber because I have some tubers in my container plants that are bulging out from the soil. Yeah. Carefully remove it, dust off the soil, and put it in a box with um, some very light soil like a peat, a vermiculite, something really loose. I might use um, soil pep and close it up and put it in a box for the winter. And then in the spring, open it up. And then if you start seeing shoots there, you can cut those off and mm-hmm. divide them off and plant them. Nice. And then have sweet potatoes, vine, ornamental vine, not to eat. So uh, did you say you were going to put it in the garage? In the attic. In the attic. Oh, where it's not that cold. Oh, yeah. excellent. So so you can forget about it with your tomatoes. <laughs> you have a huge produce department in your attic. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> hey, um, don't forget, if there are words or terms you're not familiar with, please go to our website and check out the Upside Down Dictionary for information and humor. Humor. Who doesn't like humor? And we have fun stuff for you to check out on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. And now here's a brand new pod play handcrafted just for you. La 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 Persephone, get back here. There's still so much to do in the garden. Preparing the soil, planting, watering, weeding, harvesting. I am the goddess of agriculture and fertility, and we have a lot of people to feed. We've got to turn the compost pile and rake and dig and hoe. Oh, I'm so tired of the garden, Mom. It's all we've been doing for what seems like forever. When can we take a break? La 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 la. Persephone, where are you going? I just have to check out these daffodils, Mom. They are so beautiful. Okay, just be careful and come right back.
Just going to pluck one daffodil. Whoa, the earth is opening up. Who is this in his four-horse golden chariot appearing before me in all his power and majesty? I am Hades, the god of the underworld. I love you. Come with me and be my wife and queen. You had me with that dramatic entrance. I consent. Persephone? Oh no. She's gone and I am an empty nester. This sucks. I am just going to put on my pajamas and watch everything on Netflix while I eat chicken out of the bucket and cookie dough from the tube. Screw everything, including the garden. Oh, Persephone! Persephone! Mom? Hello? Great Zeus! Is it really you? No, it's just me. Though Dad did say I needed to come visit. I know it's been a while, sorry about that. Just that I've been so busy. It's a jumble of contradictions to be both a floral maiden and queen of death. Talk about mental gymnastics. Oh, Persephone, I am so happy to see you. Holy crap, Mom. What happened to the garden? It's barren. Dad said people are dying of famine. You can't neglect all your duties. If there are no people, then no sacrifices. You know how Dad is about his sacrifices. It's just not something he's willing to give up. I am just so sad when you are not here. I don't know who I am if I am not your mother. Hmm. How about, just like a seed, I will spend a few months of the year below the earth. I'll spend six months of the year with you, and six months in the underworld with my husband. But I will be so distraught, the world will be dark and turn to winter. Maybe that is okay. Maybe it's actually right and good. I think you and all gardeners deserve a well-respected rest. You could join a book club, take up Zumba, browse through seed catalogs, or go to a play. I hear the new one called Oedipus is about mothers. However, when the time comes for me to return to you, just bring back the light and the warmth and we can all rejoice in abundance. You mean like this? Oh, a daffodil. I love that flower. Thanks, Mom. Does this mean you will accept my Facebook friend request? Let's just take it one season at a time, Mom. Christy, before we go and talk about the Persephone period, wasn't Demeter the sister of Hades, which would make Hades the uncle of Persephone? Yes. Those crazy Greeks <laughs> taking his knees. <laughs> wow. Well, as you said, it was a complicated. Persephone is complicated. Yeah. But tell us what the Persephone period means. Well, folks, right now, um, we're entering the time of year when daylight falls below 10 hours per day. And that is known as the Persephone period. And this is when plant growth nearly stops. Denver's Persephone period is November 15th to January 27th. And during this time, we are going to enter into the Upside Down Tulips Persephone period. And that means that we're going to publish new shows bi-weekly during this time. Every other week, we'll have a brand new episode for everyone. So on the off week, we will, re we will repeat favorite episodes like Tools or Growing from the Ground Up or Winter Sewing. 
And also on the off week, we will publish a special new pod play just for the garden party. And these are folks who throw us a couple bucks a month to help support the podcast. So we'll have brand new pod plays on Who Killed Rosemary and a favorite of everybody's new pod plays of the old woman who lives in a shoe. Now, if you want to hear a new pod play on the off week, please just become a member of the garden party. That means you're a patron, a supporter, a beloved, really, of Upside Down Tulips. <laughs> just go to our website at UpsideDownTulips.com or there's a link in the show notes. Excellent. And now, Edith, yes, let's talk about indoor herb gardening. Okay, because Persephone period or not, you can take your garden indoors. Yes, and herb gardening is the perfect one to do because, one, who doesn't like having fresh herbs when mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. cooking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nice to keep gardening in the winter. Yes. And you can save money because fresh herbs in the grocery store in the winter are yeah. not cheap. No, they're not cheap. They're never cheap, but especially not cheap uh, in the winter time. And anything that you can do on your own is like the thing to do. Yeah, and they know? taste better too. Oh, yeah, they taste much better. You know exactly what went in them. So I'm not going to say that it's easy to do because herbs inside can be finicky. They want Mm -hmm. things a certain way. But let's just say don't get discouraged. So starting off. But the materials you'll need to do indoor indoor herb gardening is, uh, well, first of all, you need little pots. Mm -hmm. And make sure that the pots that you have will be, have good drainage, have a good drainage hole in them. You could also do non-traditional planters like a mason jar. Make sure that there's a layer of pebbles on the bottom because herbs that are grown indoors need plenty good drainage. And you'll need soil. We recommend a well-drained soil potting mix, so not soil from your garden, not garden soil. It's actually even better to get the lightest kind you can get And you could also add a little bit of fertilizer and a little bit of compost to your soil. The um, other two materials that you'll need will be, you need to decide if you want to grow by seed or if you want to buy. Side note, you could also do, you could grow from a clipping from your herb garden outside. Yeah, you can, if you have put your basil in a cup of water, and it'll root after a while and that can go right into a pot. A, a, a note, a, a comment about the pot. Don't get a pot that is too big for the little plant because then there's a danger of overwatering. Oh, that's such a good point. Just like with a succulent, you never, ever want to go with a too big of a pot. Yeah, little pots. Little pots for little plants. And How- you could and you could grow from seed. You certainly can. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I've also seen herb, herb plants that you can buy in a local nursery for like under five bucks. Yeah. That seems to me like a good, I mean, how much are you going to spend in the grocery store for a couple little pieces of basil? So it's insane. At least yeah. two or three bucks, it right? Is, it's insane. Here you get a whole yeah. plant that you can yeah. use all winter long for about five bucks. Um, the last material I think people should consider would be a grow light. Now, and if you, for example, if you do not have a south-facing window, it's almost imperative to get a grow light. Yeah. And as we kind of talk about the requirements that an indoor herb garden needs, one of the most important requirements is light. Mm -hmm. They like a lot of light and at least six hours of sun per day. Um, You should put your plant as close as possible to your brightest window. 
south-facing window is the best, and avoid setting them in the center of a room or near a window that has a northern exposure because they're just not going to get enough light. And for basil, also make sure it's not touching the window because in the wintertime, the window can get so cold and your basil will turn brown. Basil hates cold. They absolutely hate yeah. the cold. Now, some some herbs like more light than others. Like, for example, the Mediterranean herbs like sage, rosemary, and thyme, they really, really like the heat. More on the eight hours a day. More on the eight hours. Ones like cilantro, parsley, and mint, you can get away with less than six. Yeah. 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 Four to six even, Four right? to six for those. Yeah. Uh, and I just bought a grow light from Amazon. I got one for 10 bucks. Oh, that's fantastic. So it, it's not that big of an investment. In fact, you can even you can get a little timer for a grow light. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the challenges that I have is that all my south-facing windows are already full of houseplants. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> me too. I was looking at it yesterday going, where am I going to put but these? But I did kind of see, like, I do, like, you can notice, Edith, like, I, actually, my basement that we're in right now gets mm-hmm. a lot of light. We have a lot of windows here. Mm-hmm. And I have a south-facing window over there in my laundry room. And I thought, I wonder if that's an interesting place just to try a little herb garden. Why Is not? that be out sure. of sight, out of mind? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because it's down in the basement. You know, I'm, right. not, I'm not entirely sure. But I thought, um, and you can put a timer on a grow light in another spot, you know, mm-hmm. might be, I don't know, it'd be sure I'm going to have grow some herbs this winter. And I, I think also it might be helpful to group certain herbs together when you are trying to create a little microclimate, mm. for example, probably not the best idea to have cilantro next to the rosemary. You know what I mean? Because they have different desires right. for, for uh, humidity, for humidity, for light. Yeah. Humidity is another ingredient that a lot of herbs will need, and grouping them together will help them create a little microclimate. Mm-hmm. Also, if you have a herb that needs more humidity, consider getting a little mister. Which is just a spray bottle, folks. It's, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Occasionally, occasionally mist it. Mm-hmm. And, or put the herbs on a tray with pebbles and keep the pebble tray moist and then what happens is that the moisture that's in the pebble tray will the plant will collect up and it will um get its proper moisture yeah another requirement for herbs is proper watering uh it's actually interesting about how little water it takes to sustain a small herb you might just need a couple dribbles from the faucet um but most herbs want the soil to be consistently moist but not waterlogged um, well, herbs to keep on the dry side, okay? So you don't want to, are savory, rosemary, thyme, oregano, and sage. They like the soil to dry out in yeah, between dry to the dry to the touch. And better to actually, can I just add on to this, better actually to underwater mm-hmm. because plants can, these type of plants can recover from wilt more than they can recover from overwatering. That's so true. That is such a good point. Things like mint, basil, parsley, lemon balm, they like the soil to be moist but never soggy. Never, ever want to do the soggy business. Which is what I do. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> That's the thing. I just think like, oh, if, if a little water is good, then a lot, just like get it, the whole Absolutely. thing soaked. I've, when, yeah. <laughs> you, when you do water, it's always better also to water slowly and thoroughly. If you water fast, it can just leave. It can just drain mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. So And could push through soil through the hole. Yeah. Or I've had it too where I've watered 
uh, so fast and furiously that the soil would overflow from I've the top of the too. plant. I've done that too. We're living the brand, Edith. Yeah, we sure are. <laughs> now, if you buy the little seedlings, then if you when you first bring them home, it's a good idea to keep the soil moist for a few days until you see the new leaves start to grow. Oh, that's good to know. Isn't that good? Um, and then you can, you know, check the moisture regularly by sticking your finger into the soil. Who doesn't like sticking fingers into soil? Everybody. <laughs> another thing, another requirement for growing herbs inside is please be generous in your harvesting. Yes. You yes. should harvest a few sprigs. You should regularly cut back new growth. It'll help keep the plant bushy. Um, you don't want to avoid more than a quarter at a time because that'll cause distress and could even kill the plant. But we move a quarter on a regular basis. You do, but it, it's up, but do wait until the, the herb is a little more mature. Yes. Don't do it when it's really, really tiny. But if you, because if you don't do it, like Christy said, it will get leggy. It's another way to keep it from getting leggy is to harvest and cut. No more than a third, right? Or I was saying a quarter, but a quarter to a third. No yeah. more, no more than a third. Ooh, scary. <laughs> I'm walking down a tree-lined street. It is an ordinary summer day in an ordinary suburb of Denver, Colorado. The air is like a sober Harry Styles. Thin, hot, and dry. Everywhere, people are out walking their dogs, drinking craft beer, and arguing over who was the best quarterback of the Denver Broncos. I come across an ordinary house where an ordinary woman sits on an ordinary front porch. She gestures in an ordinary way to the backyard. But this is no ordinary moment. I walk to the backyard. At first, it looks like an ordinary backyard. There is an arbor and a peach tree, a fence with a grapevine, a vegetable garden, about 127 heads of lettuce. And then I see her. She is smaller than I imagined. Right away, I could tell somebody cared for her. Somebody fed her, gave her water, made sure she stayed warm during the winter. Somebody loved her. But now her lifeless limbs are stiff and gray. She was a rosemary plant, and she is dead. For Upside Down Tulips, I am Misty Contour, and this is Who Killed Rosemary? Edith pours me a cup of coffee. Sugar? No, thank you. Clearly the tragedy has taken its toll. Edith is a shell of the woman she used to be. Hey. Tell me about your Rosemary. Well... She was just the world to me. She always... Actually, I will take you up on a little honey if you have it. Honey? If it's not too much trouble. Um, okay. Here you go. Thank you. Tell me about your rosemary. Well, 
She was just the world to me. She always smelled wonderful, and she was perfect to have over for dinner for a leg of lamb. Sometimes she came on too strong, but you just had to know how to handle her. Tell me about that day. Well, it's okay. Well, I woke up early and saw it had snowed overnight, so I went outside to see how she was doing, and yes, and excuse me, what? Who killed Rosemary? Sponsored by Huh Bindweed Singles. At Bindweed Singles, they will find your match. They guarantee the roots of your love will grow deeper with time, and that the ties that bind will grow stronger every year. Use promo code Stiff Rosemary. Go ahead, Edith. Tell me about that day. She was fine the day before. Life was finally perfect. And now, she is dead. I just don't know what could have happened. Who killed my Rosemary? Who killed Rosemary? I have a feeling I'm about to go on a journey of mystery, sex, and corruption. And what about poor Edith? Poor, sad, pathetic Edith. Where is her justice? Where is her peace? Who is the best quarterback of the Denver Broncos? I'm left with more questions than answers. I didn't know then what I know now. If you have information related to the death of Rosemary, please email UpsideDownTulips at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and tune in for upcoming episodes. And that, folks, was a repeat of our pot play, Who Killed Rosemary? We're going to have brand new episodes of Who Killed Rosemary next week. If you remember the garden party, you can listen to it. Excellent. And um, reminds me once again to bring in my rosemary. <laughs> I killed it every other year. Um, so anyway, okay, back to herbs. So one of the things that you have to remember, please, is they need space in there. They need airflow around the the plants. So even if, like me, you don't have a lot of room left, don't smush them together. And also that would give, if there's any insects on them, they could easily hop. Oh, that's what, a good it, point. It's like a little entertainment yeah. system for the insects, and we, we don't want that. And don't put them next to like a radiator Mm-mm. or a heat vent. Right. They don't want to need that kind of airflow. Plus it dries them out. It'll dry them out. Badly. So what's the temperature? What temperature should be in your house? Well, the ideal temperature for keeping them healthy is between 60 and 70 degrees for most. Now, 60 sounds low. It does sound chilly. It does sound chilly. Not every plant likes that. Basil will not like 60 degrees. But it's interesting about how, like, it's good to turn your heat down at night anyways. I think so. Because you sleep better when it's colder. You save on energy. Mm -hmm. So, um... And you can have your and your plants will be happier in the winter. And if for some reason you do want to slow the growth of your herb plants, maybe it is before maybe it's the spring before you put mm-hmm. them back outside. I don't know. Uh, then then you can put them someplace where it's sixty to sixty five because then they will go like half dormant mm. like, like we do for our geraniums. Good point. You know, and some people will moderate the temperature when you want things to warm up. Even you could put a heat pad oh, underneath yeah. Yeah, plants yeah. too or throw them in the microwave <laughs> <laughs> kidding never put a seedling in the microwave <laughs> with a fork 
<laughs> yeah, with a fork. <laughs> well, let's talk about how to troubleshoot some common problems with an indoor herb garden. Love right. troubleshooting. What do you do? Well, the first thing we talked about was your plants get leggy. And what this means is that it has a lot of stem and very few leaves and it looks floopy. Yeah, it does. It looks floopy. It floops over at the slightest provocation. It, that The cure for that is light. It means the plant is reaching up toward light. Yeah. And uh, so you either need to move it to a place that has more light or get a grow light. And you could trim it back a little bit. Think about how you're harvesting it. Are you harvesting it to keep it bushy? Right. Very Both common of- with basil. Basil will get very leggy. Mm-hmm. You keep pinching it back, you'll it'll get little offshoots. One more. This is just so important. Infrequently watering is better than watering yeah. every day. Yeah. Just remember that soil dries out from the top to the bottom. So even if you stick your finger in it, which we so love to do. Stick it in. Stick it in deeper. Uh, you know, the top might be dry, but the bottom might be soggy. I've had that happen. And then, then the roots rot. I've done that so many times. I've done that so many times. Remember, if you're not kaling something, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> uh, and also, if you if you um, if you if you're getting leaf drop, so if plant if, if things are turning yellow and falling off, especially very common uh, among larger leafed herbs, that means you're overwatering. Yeah. If the leaves turn yellow while the veins are still green, uh-huh. that means you had bad drainage. Uh-huh. So you either need to transplant the plant into something else that has better drainage, or get a get a, get a poke another drainage hole in whatever container you have, if, if possible. If if possible, exactly. If the tips of the leaves are turning brown, that could be potential over fertilization. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's interesting about fertilizing is that in out in the earth, I rarely fertilize my or feed my herb garden. Mm-hmm, me because too. Because the um, the more you fertilize, the more um, the the more plants you'll get. But mm-hmm. then the plant won't be putting its energy toward its wonderful oils or tastes that we like. Right. However, at home, because you're not in the earth, you may need to fertilize just a little all-purpose fertilizer lightly. Yeah. If you see brown tips, it means you're overdoing it. Yeah. Remember, they're just little guys. And also, indoor plants for herbs are not meant to last forever. They're not? <laughs> they're, they're, not. they're not immortal? <laughs> right. Aww. And it's very possible that they will outgrow their little pot, which means, one, you can transplant it, you could divide it into more plants, or you could move it outside. But I have to say, I've never had an indoor herb that has lasted more than a couple of years. If anybody else has, please write yeah. in to tell us yeah. about your 30-year-old rosemary plant. I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. If anybody, <laughs> I would love to know how long someone has kept a rosemary when they take it out in the summer and bring it in. I would love to know that. Now, yeah. you know, there are places where it's a perennial, like in Florida. It will grow four yes. feet high, and you never have to bring it inside. And in our zone, zone 5B, uh, lavender is a perennial, and mint is a perennial, uh-huh. oregano, thyme. Um, sage, I, sage, yes. all kinds of sage. Um, and you could bring those inside if you wanted to. I just enjoy them while I have them. Me too. And then see them in the spring. Me too. And in fact, when we get a, a frost, for example, a, a cold, hard one, and then, so I go out there and my parsley is frozen, I will still cut it and use it. Yeah, I do in too. In soups and stuff because it's just like frozen vegetables. Yeah. In fact, my parsley almost overwinters. 
Which is not you know, right and yeah. good because it's, yeah. well, it's not supposed to in, in our zone. No, it's not. But we're, we keep trying to look on the bright side, folks. At least we get parsley. <laughs> yeah. At least we get parsley. And speaking of parsley, yeah. I think parsley is, is one of the easiest herbs to grow inside. Yeah, it is easy. You can grow it from seed. Inside, outside. You, you could buy a little plant at a nursery. Uh, parsley mm-hmm. is one that you have to rotate. Make sure you keep rotating the plant and turn it around because it wants the sun so much. And it, and that's the one that can get leggy that will lean toward the sky. That's actually a good advice for all of your mm-hmm. herbs. Turn And all mm-hmm. your house plants as well. Yeah. Keep them turned so they don't get bushy on one side, leggy on the other. Whatever it is they mm-hmm. want to do. And... Usually parsley is grown in the kitchen, and so it's probably an issue here for us in Denver. Humidity will always be a problem, but humidity won't be a problem, I think, in other parts of the country, because if you grow them in the kitchen, there's a lot of steam, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of water usage that happens Mm -hmm. in the kitchen. Yep. I would think the bathroom would be a good place also to grow herbs. (laughs) It would if you have enough light. Yes. Most people don't have picture windows in their bathroom unless they're exhibitionists, but you never know, right? (laughs) Right. <laughs> um, I also think we've talked before. I think the other easiest one to grow is basil. Yeah, I have not found that easy to keep alive. Oh, I have personally. I haven't, but then maybe I lack the touch. I have a bunch right now growing in, um, like a flower in a water glass, and I'm going to put some in pots. And I see do what too. Happens. Yeah, I have to, yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah, like, why not? Yeah. What else do you find easy on the easy list, Edith? Well, um, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, no. I've also heard chives are very easy to grow inside. And I'm going to do that this year. I'm going to dig up a clump this weekend before it all happens. I'm going to do that too. That's a great idea. The one thing I have to make sure is worry about is like getting, you know, getting sure I spray it for bugs. We know when you bring in things from the inside, uh-huh. make sure you either, you know, give it a nice little soaking in a, in a, in a soap and water solution and a, and a hose down. But I just, I love chives so much. I do too. And I never, ever thought to bring them in to tell you the truth. Well, I guess we'll try a little experiment with that. And then I've got those, I've right now they're fully in seed is the garlic chives. Oh yeah. Garlic chives grow like crazy. They, they practically grow in spite of you. I wonder how good they do inside. Oh, you should try it. I'm going to try it. I've also heard cilantro is great to do. And mint oh, can be mint. very great mint. to do. Yeah. Lemon balm. Um, I've heard that uh, lemon balm needs a, a slightly sandy soil. And that mint prefers to be kept moist, but not overly wet. Mm-hmm. Oregano can do very well inside. Oregano is one you have to be very careful to make sure you let it dry out the whole time, as you have said. Mm-hmm, Parsley, sage, mm-hmm. rosemary, thyme, oregano. Um, and we'll need some fertilizer. And uh, thyme can tolerate indirect light, so that's why it makes a great kitchen herb. Um, and it because it divides so easily. Right. When you start them from seed indoors, you don't want to fertilize the when they Correct. haven't come up yet. Right. You could put a little compost in there. Yeah, but you don't want to do any additional fertilizer until yeah. they're a decent size. That's a really good point. Just as we wrap up indoor herb gardening, you know, you can buy little kits that have all the stuff for you already that has the pot and the seeds and the uh-huh. soil. Uh-huh, you could do that. To me, it just feels like you're spending money on the packaging. 
when you could just go get pot soil and seeds. Some for people don't have cheaper. time. You know, That's they true. just don't have the time. But you could get a little kit. Yeah. Um, or you can also get those large systems that people have that uh-huh. have everything included that are that where you grow the herbs in water. Mm-hmm. And those can cost between a hundred to seven hundred bucks. Did you say a hundred to seven hundred? Yeah. Don't get them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I do think that an indoor herb garden could make a wonderful Christmas gift. It would make a good Wouldn't one. If, yeah. if, you know, if you got if you bought the whole little kit which you can get, um, which I've seen in stores all over the place, or you can, can you can make your own little kit. Yeah, that's a great idea. A couple Christy. little terracotta pots, a Christmas. little bag of soil and some seeds. It's coming, Christmas. It's coming. Previously on Who Killed Rosemary. The air is like a sober Harry Styles, thin, hot, and dry. Well, she was just the world to me. At Bindweed Singles, they will find your match. She was fine the day before. Life was finally perfect. And now, she is dead. I just don't know what could have happened. Who killed my Rosemary? And what about poor Edith? Poor, sad, pathetic Edith. John Elway. For upside-down tulips, I am Misty Contour, and this is Who Killed Rosemary? I'm walking to the Jefferson County Extension Office where Rosemary has been taken. Each county in the United States has an extension office that works closely with experts from universities and helps provide information about gardening, agriculture, and pest control. I'm hoping someone can shed some light on who killed Rosemary. Rosemary was lying on a table. Beside her is an ordinary woman. As she examined Rosemary, I could see she has chipped nail polish and dirt under her nails. Like the gardener hands treatment offered by Phoebe's Phenomenales. Everyone who is anyone is gardening these days. Even if you don't garden, you can look fashionable without all the digging, pulling weeds, hoeing, and raking. At Phoebe's Phenomenales, they had the latest trends to help make your manicure stand out. Use promo code PATHETICEDITH. Salvia rosemarinus, commonly known as rosemary, is a shrub with fragrant evergreen needle-like leaves and white, pink, purple, or blue flowers native to the Mediterranean region. It is a member of the mint family, Lamiaceae, which includes many other medicinal and culinary herbs. The name rosemary derives from the Latin ros marinus, or dew of the sea. The plant is also sometimes called anthos, from the ancient Greek word meaning flower. Hello. I am Juno Halloran, and I am a motherfucking master gardener. What can you tell me about Rosemary? What happened to her? It's difficult to say. The main causes for Rosemary dying are overwatering, lack of sunlight, pests and diseases, high humidity. Other reasons that can cause Rosemary to die are extremely cold winters and high rainfall. And of course, one can't count out foul play. Foul play? Did Rosemary have any enemies? As I was about to find out, Rosemary did have some enemies. She was one of those love-it-or-hated herbs. 
Many people enjoyed her pungent pine-like personality, but her strong aroma and flavor can turn some folks off. But enough to murder? I am going to pass something along to you, something that someone told me a long time ago. What he said to me was, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Looks like you have a lot of mother work to do. That's right, mother master gardener Juno Halloran. I do. I have a lot of mother work to do. If you have information related to the death of Rosemary, please email UpsideDownTulips at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and tune in for upcoming episodes. Hey, Christy. Hey, Edith. What time is it? I don't know what time is it. It's mailbag time. <laughs> ring, ring. How could you not know? <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> well, this letter comes from Catherine, and I don't know where she is from. She is from someplace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Catherine and, from someplace. Okay. And she um, she writes in to talk to us about sauerkraut, because if folks remember that um, I had a huge disaster trying to make sauerkraut. That was Gunther. I named him Gunther, and it spoiled. And so Catherine has so politely written in to give us some advice on sauerkraut. Okay. I just started listening to your podcast. I found it on Pinterest. You two are a hoot. My family has been making sauerkraut forever. Here's our recipe. Ingredients. Fresh cabbage. Non-iodized salt. That's it. We would use a huge crock and a meat slicer to slice the cabbage. Of course, cut the heart out of the cabbage, then slice. Very good point. We would fill an eight-quart stock pot with cabbage. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. When filled, dump into the crock and add a palm of non-iodized salt. Very important, it must be free of iodized. Which I'm not sure why that is. I don't know, but everybody says that. Yeah. Yeah. And then beat the cabbage with a sawed-off bat, mm. which is flat at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think I made my mistake, is I didn't beat my cabbage enough, Edith. Yeah, I, I think was, so. Yeah, yeah, it has to be, it's really hard to do. Yeah. I didn't have a bat. I only had a daughter who's really strong. <laughs> now I'm going to get me a sawed-off bat. Uh, yeah, she says, you must bruise the cabbage. Then when finished, cover with a cheesecloth, then a plate, then a weight. I used a huge pickle jar filled with water. This, I think, is also my other mistake, is that I used the leaves of the cabbage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think a a clean cheesecloth is a better idea. I do do both. Oh, Mm -hmm. interesting. I do do that, but I always cover the whole thing once I've got the weight on it. I make it like a cheesecloth tent. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Um, She said she tried a bag filled with water, but it sprung a leak. Never again. Yeah, I've seen that, too. I've, I've heard that some people say that if you fill it with water, but also make it be salted water, if it does if it does spring a lake, then it's okay. Ah, okay. Um, after the weight, you put on a tablecloth and cover and tie around the crock to keep bugs, mice, etc. out. Then every few days, you check on it, take everything off, and scrape out anything that looks like foam and replace with clean cheesecloth. She says, I wash mine out and switch them out each time. And then plate and wait and cover with a tablecloth for about four weeks. We keep ours in a cool basement also. I know you can do it. 
Thanks, Catherine. I'm going to try it again. Um, she says a palm of salt with each eight quarts and beet. This can be done in small batches. And that's what you do, Edith, mm-hmm, right? I you do. do small mm-hmm. ba- you gave me some in a small batch. Mm-hmm. She says, my sister makes small batches. My brother Mike and I do large and can it, which is a water bath for 30 minutes. And if you don't do that, and I don't can mine, just keep it in the fridge. Sure. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy your podcast. We'll definitely send money. Yay. Don't hesitate to ask questions anytime. Catherine, isn't that nice? Yeah, thank you. I love hearing about other people's traditions and how they do things and so on, you know? Yeah, and, and amazing to see how really how simple sauerkraut can be. Yeah. I'm going to try it again, Catherine. We appreciate your letter. And folks, if you have advice for us or you have gardening questions or gardening stories, oh, please write to us. We'd love to hear from you. You could do it at UpsideDownTulips at Gmail, or you could go to our website at UpsideDownTulips.com. Ring, ring. Oh, how I wish I had some inspiration. It's November. Can somebody give me some garden inspiration? I, I have some inspiration. Go ahead. This is from the Mississippi State football head coach, Mike Leach, and it's very seasonally relevant. How to eat candy corn. Open bag, pour candy corn in trash, eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> likes candy corn nobody what did we say it was all made in 1902 (laughs) and then then yet they keep making it so what happens to it that's what i want to know yeah me too well a mystery for another day edith yes it is we have reached the end of another episode of upside down tulips thanks to everyone for listening we are edith weiss and christy montour larson those are our names. Now, if you got some laughs and some value out of this week's episode, do us a favor. Please hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. There's more of her music at denisegentilini.com or find that link at our upsidedowntulips.com. Thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer... Thank you. And thank you also to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens Best Nursery in Denver. Join us next week for a repeat on our Garden Tools episode that everybody loves and a brand new pod play for our garden party members only, Who Killed Rosemary? Now don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Nice. Upside down.